Yes, right. Let's do it. Right. This is going to be another episode of Best Damn League Show, which as the te- technically period, I did I did forget that part of it because they actually always throw me off with that. Because here's the thing I've noticed. The people who do the production for this channel always just put Best Damn League Show, even though I will say it's subtle. But if you look on the overlay, the designer did put the full stop. He did put the period that, that's on the overlay. So I'm just saying whoever does production. You are missing that. But okay, whatever. That'll just be me and Dom who have the law of actually saying period. So we're back. Obviously, we actually, hopefully, we... The only downside, actually, of when they do also short now, I have to say I can't lie to BDLS, is it makes us almost, like, associated with BDS, which fucking sucks. So, like, I also <laughs> don't like that aspect. But I'm going to get over that. We're going to be the superior version of BDLS because we're only going to take one L a week. That's almost something there. Someone, someone focus group that because that was almost a good job. <laughs> it wasn't it? Wasn't quite like you can see the the makers. So anyway, we're here back for week number two. Obviously, we did the first week, which was the preseason, and was the rankings. Now, one thing I actually talked about at the beginning of Summoning Insight yesterday, which I want to get your take on, actually, Dom, is I feel like people have to run through different formats a few times before they get the sort of like intuitive feel of where they are in the format. Because, dude, I think people are still acting like this is the normal, like, LEC splits. I even saw all these comments that were like, like teams that went like one and two, like Fnatic. There was people that were just like, oh, it's fine because, you know, it's like the beginning of the split. And that's like, guys, you know, there's only three weeks of this. And then if you don't, if you somehow fuck up and you come like ninth, you're just out. Like, you're just waiting weeks for us again. So like that aspect of it, I actually do think in a fucked up way, it actually makes these BO1s more important. It actually makes them like so almost matter. Yeah, it's it's way more exciting. And you know, I mean, some of the teams that are that are starting off slow, XL, for example, I mean, they're they're lucky they got that win over BDS, but if you get like one or two bad losses, if you have that loss to Astralis out of nowhere, or you just get yes. like a random loss to an, an SK gaming a heretics, like you could easily find yourself just done with the winter split you know, in, in two weeks. So uh, to me, I think that there's there's a lot more leniency uh, from the fans when in reality, like all all these best of ones, they, they matter a lot. Like, so for yes. example, Heretics losing to SK. I mean, last week on the show, one of the controversial predictions I had was that Heretics would be uh, the ninth best team in, in LEC. I thought that they would be bottom two. Like pretty much if Heretics just loses versus BDS and then loses to everyone else who they're expected to lose to, which is literally the rest of the table, like that is just that's just a ninth place finish. That that's literally that's literally just where they they end up. So, I mean, a lot of these games really matter, especially when you play the bottom teams. Like before, you could kind of get away with a loss to Astralis or a loss to SK during during the split, and it wouldn't really affect you too much. Which is something that Koi did famously yep. uh, last year. You know, G 2s always dropped that random game to the zero seven team. Yes. Um, but now when you do that like that that is going to severely affect yep. your 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 rankings. It could just end your your winter season just right there. Yes, I'd even say, that's a great point you make, by the way, because I can piggyback perfectly on that with a format point for people who, are, who aren't familiar with this sort of format. Re- reframe it in your mind to think of this like a world's group, because the problem in worlds, I've always thought, Dom, is exactly what you just described there. Everyone looks at, like, the big games, so they look like, oh, my God, like, T1 players against, like, throwing a team you want randomly, EDG or something like, oh, my God, imagine about that match. It's like, no, no, that one's irrelevant, guys. Like, if they're going to come number one, number two, they're going to get out the group. The question always is, is one of those teams going to somehow lose to like gigabyte marines like some team from lms or something that's the one that you're talking about that's the one where if one of you 
loses to them, the other one doesn't. That fucks the whole thing, and that's where you get racked out of the group. So I agree. In a fucked up way, as much as the actual initial big picture line about this phase of the tournament, the, the single round robin be your ones, was, oh, it won't matter after this what happens to all the teams that were at the bottom. As you're saying, the bottom team now can actually play a spoiler in a way bigger way. Like, even if you are the worst team, there's a lot to play for a bit. Like, you can still fucking have a... Like, you can have, like, the most memorable fucking be or one of the whole split if you knock out some top team, like you're saying. Like, you get, like, a fanatic on the brink and you're the one that just pushes them over. So, yeah. No, I agree completely. Because... I want us to, to talk on this episode with that in mind, that there isn't like 20 more games to go. I mean, there was only every 18, but you get the point. There isn't loads of games to catch up on. Crucially for me, and this is a bigger one, Dom, because it's only three weeks and then we go to the BO3s. There's also no thing where you can just like go, oh, well, it's, the meta just doesn't suit me right now. In about like three weeks, it'll catch up with the next one. There's no match patch. Like, it's just, you've got to be good now. Because I actually feel like that's the one thing I wanted to just start on the show with from last one. I noticed when you did your list, you stressed heavily whether or not you were picking them now to be one of the top teams or whether it was like by summer they'll be good. Because I actually sort of agree with that framing. Like, what I think we'll find after we run this first LEC winter and we go to the LEC spring is by then people will get a feel for this and they'll know things like that. Like, it's more about, like, how you do early on, how you hit the ground running. Like, people will get a sense for it. But the more I can tell people, off because the joke is I've spent so many years telling people don't overreact to be your one that I feel like now they finally caught up and listened but it's like no guys this is like worlds like if you fuck up week one of worlds you probably ask off like it's gonna be really hard and you have to think more like that because yeah let's start with some of the big names like you know what I, I had him as my number one team so fuck it let's take it and by the way Look, I'm not a moron. I'm not going to, like, double down and say they're number one now, Tom. But I actually do still <laughs> low-key think they can be good, which is the which is the controversial take, because I will give you this. It did look fucking terrible this first week. Like, this week actually is about as bad as that team possibly could look, mate. And let's be real. Like, as you said, it's not even like they were just easily winning the one easy game on the schedule. Even that was such questionable. Like, you should have lost this, that game. This team all around, like, let's be real. It's, it's not about the wins or losses. They just look bad, mate. Like, they look... Like, the joke is, when you you made your analogy. I think you did it for Yankos being in Heretics, but it applies to this team, mate. This team's starting to have a bit of the feel of like that fucking Immortals team, unfortunately, because man, everyone's too passive. What the yep. hell? You know what I mean? Like, I thought in this team, like, right, it's okay. As long as you get to team fights, there's, there's no team fights, mate. Everyone's just behind the whole game. Like, no one's doing anything. It's, it's shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's the formation of the roster. I think Treats had a pretty good call uh, on this. I did like a tier list with him, and that was the one thing that, that he picked up on is he 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 said when you look at all the players individually, where is the firepower in your lineup? Like, who's the guy that's going to be the catalyst for action? Like, even some of those bad teams that we had in previous splits, for example, SK Gaming, they had Gilius, right? They had somebody who was there to make things happen on the map. But when you look at this team, like Odo Omne is the weak side king. Xerxes is one of the more like. I guess, efficiency-based but passive junglers that we have. Vedio, even though he was good, he was the guy that would kind of like wait until the point for, that he could carry the game and then he would he would do something. And then when you look at Targamas and Patrick, I mean, they're relatively passive in lane. They're, they're just kind of there to... It's like you have a bunch of weak side players. So I think that right now, the, the biggest issue for them is can they find some champions that will like allow them to be more aggressive but still have that scaling feeling? Because... Right now, like, I think that a lot of their picks just aren't really suiting the team. When you look at a champion like Jax Roto Omni, I mean, it's it, like everyone will, will bring up the age thing all the time. But realistically, would you rather have like Bin on Jax or would you have Odo Omni on Jax? It's, they're, they're just different players, right? They have different strengths. So I feel like they're trying to force their aggression in weird spots. Um, to me, if I were to like draft an ideal comp for this team, I, I think they should have insane priority on Cassante because Cassante is the champion that you can 
be more useful in fights. You can do everything that Odo Anme wants to do, but you could also be more aggressive in lane because the champion's broken. I think that this champion is a huge crutch. Um, so I feel like they should have exploited this more. Um, Xerxes, I, I really don't like him ever on something like Vi because Vi is a very weird champion where you need to find specific timings. And it's not like you can really engage in a team fight 5v5, which is what it seems like XL wants to do. They want to like scale, yes. get their items front to back 5v5. It doesn't seem, seem like they have the, the correct mindset around flanking or, you know, getting outnumbered fights. When you look at a team like Vitality or G2, for example, you can tell that they have this like kill switch where they see somebody who's slightly separated from the team and they can pull the trigger, which is why when they play more pick comps, they, they look better. But XL just wants to go 5v5 front to back, but then they're not drafting 5v5 front to back. So I feel like they just need to find champions that will allow them to get there, but then also can not get completely rolled over in the early game. So it's, it's a kind of like interesting puzzle that they have right now to, to work with, with their team. That said though, I'm not going to bail on though, mate. I actually do still think these pieces can be way better than they looked in these matches. Like I agree when you think about all the individual aspects and then like pair them together, they're going to have some issues, but I'll say one thing that I think is a massive upside is that they actually are in a scenario where I actually consider their coach, one of his strengths, in my opinion, Youngbok, is actually, like, as as time goes on with the roster, like, pairing it down and getting the right picks for the, the players, as it were. I've always thought that was a strength of his. I would even say, if you want... I'm not just talking only about Fnatic and the old teams. If you want a modern-day example, I thought he's always done a pretty good job with how he's worked with Marcoon, for example. I feel like he's gradually allowed him to expand his pool, but not go too crazy. And sort of, like, if he sees a pick, like, works against a shit team, he lets him pick it then, but then he goes with the safe pick when it's the playoffs. I thought, in general, he's done a good job. So, to me, the what the big problem they're also going to have in this team is they are working with a completely new lineup. Like I know that you can say Odo Amne and Zerse played together ages ago. Like guys, that was fucking forever ago. That was half of League of Legends ago. That doesn't really matter. So to me, you are you, it's it's a really difficult puzzle. It's a harder one than I initially thought. But the other thing I'll also throw in as well is I actually thought overall one thing that sort of saved Excel a little bit aside from the BDS win, which we'll get to now, is mate. I actually think for real. The only team that looked really good, keyword really good, was G2. That's the only team, in my opinion, that looked really good. The problem I have is this. I know everyone's looking at Vitality, Dom, and they're like, last week you were right. They've nailed it. Everything's awesome. Like, bro, how the fuck did they win that Fnatic game? That was a fucking gift and a half right there. So, like, to me, on, on like, there's a world where Fnatic, Vitality could be two and one. They do look really good, though. But to me, the only one that actually looked, like, like super flawless, I thought G2 did look amazing, mate. Like, I was yeah. wrong on that when I had them number four. I, I told you, I didn't know if this guy be good. He, looked, he was fucking smurfing those first games, mate. Yeah, I mean, G2, G2 definitely looked the best. I think Vitality, when you consider the fact that they're like, I mean, if you listen to their comms, they're dealing with, you know, two players learning English. They obviously didn't get uh, everyone there super early, so they haven't been able to just practice for weeks and weeks and weeks. I feel like for what my expectation was, which was that they would, like, start slow but be really good eventually... I think they, they exceeded my, my expectation, yes. expectations for week one. I thought they would drop a game here. I thought they, they would either lose the Fnatic game or the Mad game. But it seems like um, the, the interesting part about Vitality, if we want to uh, jump there, I think the interesting part about them is that Bo doesn't look like he can only play carry junglers. Like, he yep. played Graves in the first oh, game. did everything. He played Sawani for fuck's yeah. sake. <laughs> yeah, he played with Sejuani, and he was actually, he was actually good legit. on Sejuani. Yeah, true. He, he looked good on Sejuani, and then he played Vi, and he was by far the best Vi that we saw this weekend. Like, he just, he just has a different mindset yes. as, as towards, like, how to capitalize on people inting. He has that killer instinct. That, he's got that just like LPL killer instinct that you don't really see um, in, in other regions. So I actually think that, that the team had probably the best week one I can imagine 
given all, all all the factors and and also i mean the other new player that you have to talk about is photon who i didn't really have ex expectations for i mean i never watched a game of his right so like i didn't go back and watch t1 challengers like i, I don't normally do Dude, that I didn't, all you need to know is i didn't even hear hype from korean people about this like i, I have some like korean connections they didn't even hype this guy man i heard nothing so i was amazed i thought you fucking smurfed <laughs> Yeah, he, he played he played really well. So the only thing that I really considered when it came to Photon was the location that he came from. T1 yes. Challengers. T1 Challengers just produces good fucking players. They have, yes. Berserker, Owner. Like, I mean, if you just go down the list, Zeus came from, from T1 Challengers. Closer came from T1 Challengers. I mean, you just go down the list. Guma. Yeah. Like, there's just been so much talent coming from um, that organization and that academy team specifically that, you know, if you're going to get a rookie and, and you get shot down multiple times on your, you know, your plan a plan b and you just need a player to fill the spot that's a perfect place uh, to go get him so for me i i actually thought that given where i expected they would start i thought they would be like maybe like a fourth fifth looking team and then get it together towards the end of the split comparing to that expectation i think they actually did pretty well i mean they, they do look like the second best team in lec oh, for sure yes I, i'm just saying i make the distinction like i'll give g2 it full on they did get the 10 out of 10 flying marks the vitality one was a little bit more questionable by the way what you mentioned there about the comms it's funny how people have different takes on it because you know when they put that com clip up where they were doing the baron it was a bit messy dude i actually thought that sounded really good bearing in mind remember just remember for a second guys one guy the top lane is korean the jungler is fucking chinese both of them are young and look i will say actually they did actually have half these it's like Bo's English actually seemed way better than people expected. But even yeah. so, like the idea that in your first week of official play, like I actually thought those comms, this is what's weird, Dom. I know a lot of people naively think like perfect comms are like when it's like really like everyone's just like never talking over. It's no, that to me, they actually seemed there. Like they sort of had a grasp of like whose voice to listen to when. Cause it sounded like it was like a, like it was like a negotiation. If you heard the Baron explanation between like mm -hmm. fucking born perks of like when to go in and like the timing. And they actually sounded like they coordinated it pretty well, mate. They sound like they have, they sort of understand each other. Yeah, the only thing that I didn't like out of that whole comm sequence is how many times Photon was like saying the same information. It's like, you know, a lot. Yeah, like he was like, he's like, I'm up in 15, I'm up yeah. in 14, 13, 12, 11. Like I'm TPing in 12, 11, 10. Not like yes. it was like Jesus, man. Like, <laughs> like, Perf, like shut the fuck up, man. Like we're gonna <laughs> wait. Like we're <laughs> waiting for your TP. Like chill <laughs> the fuck out. That was the only part of it that I that I was like, okay, like this is you know, uh, cluttered comms and, uh, you know, it's obviously from like nerves of like, he's the guy dead and course, he's like, oh shit, yeah. like I just died. Don't int the whole game while I'm dead. Everyone has that feeling. Like uh, if you've sure. played solo queue before where you're carrying the game and you die one time, I mean, he wasn't carrying the game, but he was really strong in the game. You die one time and then your team just gets aced and you know, you lose Baron and the whole game is lost off one death where it's like, come on, it didn't need to be that bad. Like I made a mistake, but we didn't need to, to, to go there with, with how much it affected the team. So I, like that was the only part I didn't like. I thought that there was, uh, I saw random criticism on that clip for like Bo. They're like, oh, like Bo looks like really like he's, he's really like not confident about his smiting. It's like, no, like he was literally, he ulted a Wukong, the Wukong flashed over the wall. Yep. He's out of the pit. So he's yelling at Neon who, who's actually griefing there by hitting the Baron to oh, stop hitting the yeah. fucking Baron. Exactly. Like, just, <laughs> look, the play is simple. We keep Baron aggroed until the Cassante is able to join. We have a massive HP advantage because the Vi was tanky enough to actually just perma tank the Baron. And then when they come in to steal, we deny vision. They're going to have to come in at a weird time to steal. When they their jungler comes in to steal, we violate him, we kill him, and we do Baron. Like, that was just, that was clearly the idea that Bo had the entire time, which is actually a really smart way to play it. When I saw him start tanking that Baron, like, just one v like they're in a 4v5 and he just starts tanking the baron just starts hitting the baron in front of them and keeping an aggroed i was like damn like that that is fucking smart i don't know how many players would have the confidence to, 
to yeah. understand that situation. It's like he just has such a great intuitive understanding for yes. how to like really exploit mistakes from the enemy team that it, it just it's something that gives you hype for the league because you haven't had a player like this. Like when was the last time you had an import in LEC that looked like this in their first week? Oh, never. Like, I mean, let's be real. Even Malrang, who obviously was like probably the best example of like a true import. It, it still took him a while to get it all going awesome. And everyone questioned him like, dude, this guy, like you're saying, the debut was almost as perfect as it could get. Like the real sad thing about this debut, by the way, is this will sound whack as a criticism because obviously it's brilliant for LEC. But because me and you watch the LPL, it just makes me sad again, remembering what this guy could have done with fucking Doinbee. Guys, with Doinbee... We're talking peak Doinby as well, if you don't know. Like, when he actually became, like, a fucking really good laner. Like, mate, they actually could have won Worlds together. That, these these guys are insane. Like, it's actually all... But the joke is that... That's why it was worth the gamble always, because this guy never should have even been available for a fucking LEC team. It's not even the best LEC team's vitality. It's not even, like, G2. Like, the idea you pick this guy up, that... Like, that... Yeah, that, that's why there won't be more imports like this, because the joke is... It's only because of the weird circumstances, yeah, that he'd ever not be in an LCK or LPL team, and so... They have to be blacklisted yes. from the LPL. Like exactly. You have to find blacklisted <laughs> players from the LPL, but not blacklisted enough. Like the, the, there was a recent exactly. wave in, in last summer where they where yes. there was like 27 players and coaches got fucking perma banned from all right competition. You got to find like the banned for four months guy. You got to find that that Maoan guy that that you know leaked uh, like leaked fucking strategies to bookies over like titty pictures at Worlds from 2021. You need to find that guy and 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 maybe if that guy is good enough, then you'll have the chance to. Uh, you know, do something and have that that high quality player. But all things considered, I, I I'm happy that I bought the the bow stocks because everyone was like, no, nah, no, nah, he's too hyped. He, there's no way for him to live up to the hype because he's like the hype is just too much. It's like no, no, no. If you watched him play, like there's hype. Oh, no, that's reason. weird. Yeah, that that's the weirdest take of all them. Because if you go back, you can go back and watch the last episode if you're a random fan and you think we'd make it up and change our opinions. I even saw the episode. It's not that I deal with him individually, by the way. Like the problem is when you have the eye test that guy has done when he plays solo queue. Like I'm sorry, that guy has to be good at League of Legends. It's actually it's actually impossible he is somehow a fraud like here's the difference tom when people would tell me like oh my god you've got to see kiri as lp if i go watch him it's just like watching a normal player in the us yeah he's good but i'm not like oh my god what's he yeah. doing like he's reinventing jungle like this guy did look like that like the eye test has never checked out better for a fucking rookie jungler than this guy for real like i've never even seen a career even like fucking tarzan and when the first guy even they weren't like this mate because that's the other thing this guy you nailed it as well the other thing that's going to be crazy about Vitality is this. Everyone thought, right, best case scenario, this guy's just like a carry jungler slash constant aggro, right? Dude, the craziest thing is not only does he show the full showcase of what you can do as jungle, so did Photon as a top laner. Like, dude, that is the craziest thing about Vitality. Bear in mind, they've hit the ground like this. This team could be the complete best Western team by far because they actually look for real. Like, they're going to have insane fucking versatility in the draft and the style of play. Like, when they made oh, this team... A lot of us said about the Photon guy, like, well, look, all he has to do is be a Korean weak side top laner, you know, let Neon carry in the team fights, perks to wish it. The joke is they can play through all lanes now if they want. Like, they actually look like this team's going to be even better than people thought. They're more than the some of their parts, maybe. Uh, I know it's just week one, so obviously maybe we'll be sobered by week two, but it's looking fucking great. I mean, there's specific things that you can look at in the game where you're like, this this guy's for real. I mean, you could take the stats. I mean, he got first blood all three games, right? Like, so they played Vitality played three games. Bo is killing people before he's level six in every single game. But I think there's certain things that are missed when you're watching the broadcast that are so fucking smart that will level up LEC if other people catch on. So, for example, the first thing that I think about that Vi game that he played into El Yoya, right? The the Vi game he played in, in game three versus Mad Lions. 
He goes into his bot side jungle level three, and Sejuani is there, or whatever champion uh, El Yoya was playing. Maybe it was Wukong. I think I think, I think El Yoya was playing Wukong, actually. Yeah, so El Yoya is there, right? And he gets chunked out, and he knows also that the enemy support, Bo knows that the Mad Lion support, Hillisong is also there. So Lulu and Wukong are actually invading, and they chunk him out. And what he does is most people would, would get chunked out of their jungle and they would go like, oh, well, I'm just going to go to like the enemy top side or I'm just going to go back to my top side or I'll try a gank top. What he does is he actually Bo just waits in mid lane, knows that they're going to take his blue and then he walks through that same path and then loops around and kills Niski. There's no way Niski could ever expect him to be there. He's like, oh, we have control of this side. Like normally you learn that. Yes, process of elimination. Out, yeah, yeah you, you chunked him out of that side. That is your side to hug. So yes. Niski can play super aggressive knowing that all he has to avoid is the top side play. But Bo actually comes and hits him from the bot side of, of mid while he just got chunked out. Like the presence of mind to, to, to understand the mind game there, know that they're going to take his buff and then like go unseen and gank mid. I thought that was super, super impressive. Um, and that's the difference between somebody like Bo and somebody like Karay, for example. When you watch Karay play, he's really smart about how to win solo queue games but you could see that there's like a lack of mechanics there you could see that he's just not the best mechanical player like he's good he's good enough to, to be rank one obviously but there's something lacking but when you watch bow play he's got the whole he's got everything he's got yes. the, the the mental game on lock and then also the the mechanical proficiency is insane i mean there was a clip on reddit today where i was looking i was watching him play jace and i'm like yeah, that's bad. That's, that might be one of the best Western Jaces I've ever seen. Like, if you just go watch him play a champion that's mechanically difficult in another role, he's carrying the game. He's like the best AD carry on the fucking server as well. They had that meme that really they made. I saw Neon made that joke where they were like, that Neon's actually like the third best ADC on Vitality yeah. because of perks yeah. as well. That's pretty good, whoever came up with that. That's good, man. No, it, it's funny, but like, it's actually true. <laughs> it's probably true. true, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Come on. It's like people are like, like you know that everyone's just memeing like, ha like it's all, it's all, it's all jokes. But then if you saw them all play any carry, it's like, no, that's just facts. Like, Also, there's another thing, by the way. As an aside, that is also a reason I do think low-key, Dom, that a lot of the Western players who are junglers and supports actually are slightly overrated as individual players. And the theory goes like this. I don't know how this works in American sports, but basically in football, European soccer, the way it works like this, Dom, in terms of the positions you play, is no one actually picks their position. I don't know if you know this. What happens is when you're a little kid, you just play football. And obviously when you play as a little kid, you just play, it's not even a game, you're not playing roles or anything. You just play, you run the ball, you kick it around, you try and score. And what happens is basically when you play your first ever like semi-organized games, maybe the school puts on a game or you try out for a team, what they do essentially is it's a bit like an NFL combine. You just play a bunch of games randomly. And then what happens is the coach decides what your position is basically. So essentially the problem with the concept, Dom, is this. If you're just not that fast and you're, you're, you know, the joke is you just can end up as the defender or the goalkeeper or something, aren't you? Like, you're not going to be the striker or the winger. Like, they're the best positions. So, realistically, the actual way of the sport, in theory, is just, is just, like, decided is initially based on, like, how sort of, like, overall your ability level is. And they sort of put, it's like league in that sense. Like, in theory, like, the most skilled player with all the best should be the mid laner. You know, like, you could imagine how you could set the roles up. The problem is this, right? Where I'm going to get to is this. I actually feel like Western League of Legends is like that dude. Like, most of the time, people would. <laughs> junglers and stuff maybe they are people who don't want to be the top player or something the support player i mean the memes write themselves but a lot of people were the worst player or they were a guy playing with friends or they have a mate who's a really good adc right i do get the vibe there's some of that so you get the occasional player who is a monster at those roles and it's just a g but it's very rare i think in general they are just weaker player the joke is if you ever go to the asian regions because i've heard this about other like chinese and korean junglers and sports by the way some of those guys for real like people have even said on their teams they were like mechanically better you've heard these stories about some of the korean supports like the stories where 
some of them could like beat their mid lane on 1v1. Like yeah, the story about SOFM, there's a similar one. Supposedly he used to like 1v1 of fucking like Jawu and beat him or something mental like that. Like what? You know, like some ridiculous story. Like, yeah, the joke with the Asian players is that's why they are just so OP. Because they, I get the vibe, like they do just decide like, I'm going to be a jungler. And it's like, but you have the best mechanics in the whole game. Yeah, I'm just a jungler with the best mechanics. Like, fucking hell, like that is OP. That's totally OP if you've got that. It's why Kerrier, if you don't know, guys, if you're one of these idiots who thinks like the player won or lost, Kerry is probably like the best player in the world last year and he didn't win Worlds. Like, that's that's what a support could be like from Asia. They could just be like the absolute 10 out of 10 level on all the skill metrics, me mechanics. Like, it's that's why, because here's the thing we're getting to basically, Dom, is, right? Think about how we always praise Jan Kors's the brain jungler. Obviously, I'd say El Yoy is probably the modern day mechanics jungler. Like, this guy, even though we've only seen a week, he's on another level mechanically. I don't think I've ever seen a, a young player just come out the gate like this. Normally as well, you have a stage game where you you feel nervous or something. You just don't got any of that affected him, mate. He hasn't, he hasn't had a single moment. He looked like he slowed down. I mean, you saw the first game. The first game he plays, he's the most hyped player and people are like, oh shit, is this guy going to be good? And you know that when that happens, most people actually want to see him fail. Like so many Boss. people, I can even see my chat. They're like, why are you overhyping this guy? Like, Dom, you're so fucking cringe. Stop yes. overhyping this guy. Like, like he's not going to be that good. Like he's not even ranked one yep. right now or like some random fucking argument because people just hate seeing somebody be like praised for, for being good at, at anything, I guess. Um, and in the first fucking game, he's just level two killing reckless, like fucking like 145. Reckless is already dead. I know you must have loved that. Just seeing oh, Reckless's debut just get... <laughs> Listen, Dom, I can't lie. I did say this on somebody inside. In fact, we've talked about Vitality. Let's talk about Fnatic a bit. They're actually a very interesting sure. team to discuss this week. Like I said, their record was interesting. They could maybe have had a better record. But let's start with that point because the joke is, at least I can bring up one of the old classics out of the attic. Like, hating on Reckless, being a bit too passive, a bit shit, and not <laughs> really being that impressive. The joke is, like, he just played in my hands, mate. Like, it's actually a bit sad, I have to say, because do you want to know what's sad, Dom? I actually didn't expect Reckless to struggle at all. I actually was shocked, by the way, the odd times I would watch him on Carmine Corp. Like, dude, if I took the name play off, you wouldn't even know this was like an all-time great player. Like, when you watch him in the RLs, you would have thought it was just an all right player. It looked like he was checked out mentally to me. So I actually wonder where he's at here. Because here's the thing, I'm, I mentioned on something insight, but I heard behind the scenes, Dom, that if Upset had wanted to, he would be the ADC of Fnatic right now. It wouldn't be reckless. I've heard that that whole thing might have actually just been like Fnatic's like PR move to have like a win in the offseason. Like, hey, fans, at least we've got reckless back. Like, because the thing I worry about is, Dude, it, it does look like, I don't know, is Reckless really, like, locked in to be a top player again? Because this first week was just underwhelming, you know what I mean? So it wasn't even funny that much. I mean, look, it was funny when, like, Mickey X fucking ignited him and stuff. Like, that was funny. And obviously <laughs> him just failing that game for no reason was pretty funny. But it's a bit underwhelming, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. actually looks like one of the worst parts of Fnatic at the moment. I'm not even hating by saying that. Literally, if you take the nameplates off, Crown Shot was just better than him this week. Like that's just, oh, that's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Crowny, I, I thought looked looked really good. So when you look at at other players, I mean, he just doesn't have anything that puts him above other people in the league. It's not like his team fighting is super insane. It feels like generally he's like running away from the team fights again. I watched one fight um, in the the Fnatic game that they ended up winning, the Fnatic versus Quake game. There was one fight where they engage it's like a free time for him to hit damage yep. to, to start doing damage and he just stopwatches like it's at full life in the beginning of the fight know. and i'm like that is such a fuck like yeah. you are so scared if that's like your first reaction you're like i yes. gotta stop watch i gotta stop watch i gotta stop watching damage you're just mentally going over it in, in 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 your head over and over again you're prepping yourself for a situation that's like very unlikely like yeah i mean if you get flashed on by three people you probably need to stop watch but it's it feels like that's where his mind is instead of like 
who am I going to fucking kill first? <laughs> you know, which is yes. what an uh, aggressive AD carry is thinking. Like, all right, this guy is like squishy, but has a lot of damage. I'll kill him, then him, then him. It depends on like, you know, where they come from. If I'm getting flanked, like I'm going to flash in this direction so I can still do damage. It's just his mindset is like, stopwatch. I need to just make sure I don't die in the fights. That's where he is. I don't know. I mean, it's his first week back, but I, I, I mean, he looks the same as he did in, in K Corp to me. Like he just doesn't look like a really insane player. He just looks like a middle of the pack 80 carry. Maybe that's like pretty generous. Maybe he's like the sixth best 80 carry or something. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, that that's probably way too generous because even Kabi on Astralis, like he looked like he was in position to carry games. It looks like reckless will just play to the level of his team permanently. If you put him on Astralis, they're going zero nine same way as they would with anyone else. Which is, by the way, I will say, somewhat startling. Because what obviously fans used to try and justify to me over the years, if Reckless was ever passive, was like, well, he's playing the right way because he's got, like, caps or he's got expectations. He doesn't have, first of all, he doesn't have those players. And then secondly, I agree with you. If you put this guy on a bottom team, dude, he wouldn't do a forgiven a 1v9. He would just play with the team and lose the games. Like, if he was in crowd shot spot, like you're saying, they would just still lose every game, of course. In fact, if anything, like you're saying, maybe they didn't do worse at the moment. Like, Crowdy actually looks like the best player on that team. So, no, the, the other thing about this I'll say as well is the reason I did think it was a bit egregious is two factors. One is, as you say, right, here's the problem. This will sound counterintuitive to a fan because by definition in the team fight, the ADC should try and stay alive as long as possible. But there's an end to that sentence that doesn't stop. It doesn't, the full stop doesn't go there. There's a comma there and it goes within the context of doing as much damage as possible and trying to win the fight. Like the point to me, if you're the ADC in a team fight, Tom, is unless it goes perfectly, you probably are going to die because you have to essentially risk a, a low chance you die to do as much DPS. Like you have to try and you're essentially always trying to gamble. I always think of it like a trade. It's like, look, I'm probably not going to just clean the whole fight and ace the fucking team. So the question is, can I get like two kills here when I should get one? Or can I do a little bit extra damage that's my teammate kill? I've always felt like Reckless was more the mentality of like he like thinks of himself first like I've got to be shit I've got to be out of damage range and then he thinks like can I help can I do anything here though and it's like and if you do that the Definitely. problem is if you stack the team you can still be a really good player by the way he's one of the best players of all time but I've always thought that was what stopped him actually going to the the end the like peak level of his ability because the sad thing about him dude is he does have the mechanics you've seen his whole career like the eye test shows he could be a different type of player he just it's just he is one of those players by the way in similar senses to the players I have that idiosyncratic flaws like Frog and stuff they're just they're just stuck in their way mate they're always going to be that player I can tell and it's yeah. too many years now we're not going to change like fucking 10 years in is he like come on <laughs> 10 and years of whole career <laughs> there's another level but I think that you know what Fnatic needs is they need somebody who's going to clean up fights because there's going to be some like ugly fucking fights. Oh, you will. have Wonder, Razor, and Humanoid. Somebody's going to die yes. early and it's going to be a 4v5 and you're going to need to like kite out the 4v5 or recognize when you can deal damage. It seems like those situations are just like completely foreign to, to, to Reckless. It's like, oh no, it's a 4v5. Like you just made the mistake and you died early. Like in review, you should just, just not die there and then we can, you know, we, yes. then we could win the 5v5 fight when you're alive. It's not... How do we make the best out of, out of, out of the situation? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was I was pretty unimpressed. But even within the context of being one of those passive AD carries, because there's other, like, AD carries that would go into that, like, passive box. Like, for yeah. example, Ruler is, is somebody who's, like, the best at being, Absolutely. like, the, Probably the best survive. of all time of that style. Yeah. Yeah. Survive, but also, like, once I'm, I'm safe, I'm going to deal max damage. Ruler doesn't play, like, you don't see him choke mechanically that hard. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, it was very weird. So... I mean, also, I want to get your take on this because here's the other thing. I would actually give Reckless like a slight pass if he came back into Fnatic and he was the only player change. Dude, the Rooks guy actually looks good. 
This guy yeah. actually looks like, like this isn't Hillisang, who by the way still looks fucking shit even on Mad Lions, but we'll get to that in a minute. Like, <laughs> the Rooks guy actually looks like what a good pickup this uh, was. Normally I think they all the hype laws like stand-ins for Wills, because essentially you only have to play like, two good games and people say you go, he actually looks legit though, mate. Like that's, a, that's what's also a bit underwhelming. Like this guy actually has some skills. I can see why they picked him up. The rest of the team actually looks half decent, mate. I will say, though, if we're going to talk about the Bo Perks one, I know we don't really get to hear the comms very often because mainly Fnatic's one of those teams where it's all just jokes or memes or like everyone like, nice! It's never like real fucking comms. <laughs> all I'll say is this. My speculation, just to be hilarious, is I think Chinese formerly banned jungler Bo and Perks from fucking Croatia appear to, on week one of their careers uh, together, have better fucking comms and synergy than Razork and Humanoid, who've now played together for a year like this is stupid as fuck like why did they keep these players because I have to say mate Razork especially I, the more I watch him play it's, it's sad because I don't I, I don't in any way think he's a bad player I think he's actually mechanically pretty good but I just get the vibe dude that he looks like he just doesn't have very good comms with most people on his team if you know what I mean like I get this like I feel like comms should surely be one of the absolute best things for a jungler shouldn't it be top of the list yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's communication or just that his teammates just put him in fucked up situations. Like, oh, they also, watch, they are brutal as well. They throw him under the bus all the time. It's true. <laughs> when, when I watch Fnatic, I feel like he's making the right play the majority of the time. Like, there's, there's, so for example, the, the bot lane where they lost versus G2, like, the, that, that ended the whole game, right? The level three situation. Yep. Razor going and burning the enemy jungler's uh, flash, sitting in that tribe, which is good. Now, when they, when they dump, when they E over the wall with Zeri and they just run directly into the whole enemy team and then you start committing to that fight, that's where it all goes bad. So people will be like, oh, Razor got hooked. He should have flashed the hook. But it's hard to prepare yourself for things that you don't expect to happen. Like in his mind, he's being a good jungler. He got to the bot lane situation. He prevented the dive, which was, which was actually really good. And then when the jungler comes to try to pressure again, he chunks out the jungler. So the jungler can't re-enter. Then when, when you have a Zeri flying into the whole team, it, it fucks up your perception of it. It's like, oh, well, was that chunk that I got on the jungler good enough that we can now win the fight? Like, do we want to fight? Like, can't, like you're going to feed off what your other teammates do. And when your teammates do weird shit, like when you watch how Humanoid plays, for example. He's still he's doing all like, that shit in the Yano. Come on. Yeah, he's just he's just doing ridiculous shit. I mean, people will focus on the, the Gragas cask in the, in the team fight versus Vitality. But, you know, I mean, realistically, him flashing on bow, not knowing that the enemy, like not hitting tab, not knowing the enemy jungler has a maw and, you know, pretty much. Flashing it in looks and like he doesn't care, fight. dude. It genuinely looks like he just does. He just does whatever he wants. He doesn't give a. It fuck. looks like he's out of practice, to be honest. He looks. He looks like somebody who like takes a break during the off season. That, that's how I feel. I could. When I watch it. him play, it doesn't seem like he like grinded the game in the off season and you know put like hundreds of games into solo queue. It seems like he's like, all right, you know, we'll just get it back together. You know, sadly, I don't remember who matter. told me this, but someone told me that he doesn't like League of Legends, mate. I can't yep. remember who it was who said that. The problem is it totally checks out if you look at how he plays. Like he's clearly skilled. But I, I agree. Like If you look, he seems like the guy who probably just puts in the minimum effort. You know, until Except here's the thing. I've I've found this. You'll know this yourself, Dom. Maybe it was even the same for you. I don't know at the end. A lot of people who are pros, by the way, it's actually very rare that you get the faker type guy who genuinely seems to like playing League of Legends 10 hours a day for 10 years. Even when people start like that, I find after a couple of years, most pros, the love of the game goes down year on year on year, like drastically. And yeah. a lot of them... It's only a few years. A lot of them just start saying what people like Soaz are actually brave enough to say publicly. They'll just actually say, like, actually, I only really play for competition. Because the problem with that is, if you notice, I mean, by the way, that's why Soaz is the best example ever. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Because the thing is, if, what I find is, by default, the people where they mainly care about competition, logically, they just increase how much they practice by the competition. So, yeah, if you're at Worlds, like he was, 
suddenly he was good. So he had the FBA in him. When he was in playoffs in summer, he started to get together. But the problem is, you put this guy on a random regular season game, he just fucking, he just sends him. He just fucking phones it in. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a difference because back in, back when I was a player, like when I no longer felt that, that desire to play 15 hours a day, you would just retire. Like I was like, yeah, I don't want to, you know, potentially look like shit and be half-assing pro play. You know, I'll go do something else if I, because the money wasn't there, but now the money is so fucking good that you have all these players that are willing to just like, just coast because I mean, it's just better to make million or or 700,000 or wherever the fuck these players are are, are being paid. It's like, I'll give you a joke. It's a trade-off now. There used to be a team in CSGO. I don't know if you remember this guy. I can't remember which areas you watched, but do you remember there was like a famous Polish team called Virtus Pro? Do you know those guys? Like Neo and Tazla. Famously, they were one of the teams where when the salaries got like as big as they did in CSGO, they were one of the ones where like there was like one of those news articles that sort of like leaks what your salary is. And they basically did used to get Dom. I can't remember if it's 20 or $25,000 a month, which at the time in CSGO, by the way, was like an insane salary. Like this is the era, by the way, when winning the major was like 100K for the whole team. So like getting 25K a month is mental. And the joke is, right, every fan used to forget how much they got paid and they'd all talk about them like they were a normal Counter-Strike team. So what they do, Dom, is this. When they were playing badly for like three months, fans would go like, oh, I'm really worried that like this guy's going to like step down from the team. And I would always have to come on talk shows and go, guys, he is a fucking professional video game player from Poland who didn't finish school. I'm going to guess he's going to stick this one out. I'm going to guess if they ask him like, you look like you've lost motivation. Do you want to keep playing? I'm going to guess he's always going to go, yes, until they fucking claw that 25k from his cold dead hands. Like, it's 25k! All you have to do is just say, I'll give it another month. You know what I mean? Like, you're right, the temptation would be pretty fucking high. Like, in your case, you were in LCS as well. Like, dude, you would have you would have been on more, more than that. Like, you could be on, like, fucking million a year, like you say, right? It's pretty hard well, to say in all of that. I mean, obviously, back back in my day, there was, there was a trade-off where it's like streaming paid more money. So if you didn't want to play pro and you could make more money doing something else, it was like an easy decision, right? And then once you start progressing towards a different career, it's hard to like go back and it's like, well, if, I'm, if I become a top-tier pro again, then maybe I could make the same amount of money that I'm making right, right. now. It's just like there's just, there's just it's, there's a, a weird balance there. But now, I mean, people are just willing to, they're like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'll just play... LEC or LCS, I look like shit. I just won't check social media. I don't give a fuck what people say. I'm getting paid enough money that I don't give a fuck what people say anymore. That's how it looks for 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 some players. And to me, it's it's really disappointing. You know, like I just I know that players could be so much better if they still had that like hunger. Yes. But I mean, I guess when when you have the the like, yeah. I mean, if I had the lifestyle that I have now, when I was fucking in 2015, I probably would would also like fall victim to the same thing. I think it's really difficult to still prioritize your career so highly when you've got everything that you want on the other side of things. Yes, absolutely. It's why I actually do think any player who can just keep it going for all those years, like I think modern example would be someone like a Perks or something. I think they are just good as fuck. It's amazing. They can just keep trying every year and come back after the challenges and think you can do more. It's amazing, isn't it? Like that mindset when you see it is so rare. No, to bring it back though, the joke is of all the teams in the whole fucking league, mate, I feel like Fnatic is the one we just nailed the hardest. Like they just are absolutely a mid-table team. Like this team doesn't look like it could win LEC. Like I don't know what's going to change because... At the moment, every, across the board, it looks pretty whack, mate. Like I say, they maybe could have stole that Vitality game, but would, even then, who cares? Like, it would just be a B or 1, in it? Like, they, yeah. I, I think this team is going to struggle once they get to the next stage. They're going to be in the next stage, but they're not going to win the BO3s and fucking go deep in the... I, I think this team is going to get exposed. But the question really is this. Do you think that they will make the top four stage after the BO3s? 
That's the interesting one. Because obviously the VO3s gives them still a bit of time for people like Humanoid to play themselves on the ship. The problem I have is this. Uh, no, I'll, I'll do the same thing I did when I was talking about like uh, some of the other squads. So one thing I would say, like in the same way as in Vitality, for example, the one of the reasons I assumed immediately Neon's going to fit in because they brought his coach. So similar logic, like let's address the coaching angle. Well, since they fired Yamato Cannon, I have no fucking clue what the Fnatic coach is like. Like one thing about Yamato Cannon is again, he's someone who's always, I thought, done a pretty good job with his rosters, figures out how to use them, et cetera. Like this, this isn't a, a scenario where you just press play like a fucking one of those fake DJs who uses the Ableton and just mixes it for you. Like this is a, this is like a problem to be fixed, mate. This project looks like it needs a lot of work. So yeah. whoever this court, put it this way, if he somehow gets it together, come top four that coach should probably be coaching the split like yeah. that's gonna be a pretty tough job i think i think there's one more issue here that that people have been i feel like misreading which is when they look at the games they're like oh well they went one and two and they could have won that vitality game right like that's that's the way they 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 put it in their minds so they're like oh they should have been two two and one but if you do that then they should have lost the koi game right yep. like they were getting smashed in that game yep. so either way they they looked bad in Two out of the, yes. the three, early, like really bad. Like they were really yes. fucking far behind in the Koi game and G2 absolutely smashed them, right? So if you want to do the other side of things and you're trying to, to say, oh, well, you know, look at what could have been. If you look at what could have been either way and you're fair throughout all of it, they're, they're just one and two. Like that is, that is what they, they did. And yeah, they had a tough schedule, but the way that they lost games, I thought was was really weird. They they look like actually one of the worst like early game teams that oh, I've yeah. seen. Yes, the sad, that's the saddest thing, is XL and Fnatic both were ass in the early game. Ass! And here's the problem. This is where things can be so counterintuitive in video games, Dom, right? Logically, someone might think, no problem, they've got all these really good ADCs, so they'll be good in late-game teamfights. You don't get to late-game teamfights in modern League of Legends if you're behind all the time. If all your lanes are behind and you're, you're significant, and you don't have any agency to move on the map and get the drive, you're not good. It's not like, it's not season six, Dom. There is no late-game teamfight. Like, late-game in this world is going to be like 25 minutes you've lost the game. Like, it's over. Like, I feel like that. that's like a, a relic of old thinking of League of Legends. You can't just sit there and wait for the ADC to scale forever. It's not going to happen anymore. You've got to do yep. something. Yeah, and I mean, it's just they 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 aren't on the same page with with fairly obvious situations too. That's the scary part. Like the G two game, so the, this is this is the, the trap that people are gonna fall into with G two. Like they look like by far the best, but you have to look at like how they got to the points where they were smashing the games. And there were some like there were some like stumbles where once teams are better, like this shit's not gonna work yes. anymore. Obviously, they're way ahead, but they still have to continue getting better, right? It's not like we're gonna say week one that they've already won. Um, the championship. One thing that that we can go into specifically is that that game versus Fnatic. Since we were, we were just talking about Fnatic, in that game, G two has the ability with their draft to like completely shut out Fnatic from the beginning of the game. If they do the late invade, I was talking to Selfmade about it on on one of the streams. And one good point he he, he had is if you late invade bot side and you just directly split the map, the bot lane can't ever play. Like they can never do anything bot side. Fnatic can never do anything bot side because they have the the Nautilus, Draven, and then they have the stronger early game jungler. So you can't generally draft weaker early game jungler and weaker bot lane because you just get the map split. They play on one side of the map, they just dive you, and there's no counterplay because your jungler is on on top side. Maybe you can TP or something, and then they can back off, and then your their your top side is massively losing, and they could do it again. There's just a situation that that is there's an unfixable problem if the enemy team um, plays it well. The thing about Fnatic is they actually got the godsend. The Viego didn't start in their jungle and Razor was actually able to start topside and cover the dive. But then they still fucked it. Like they took an aggressive, they, they're they jumping in to an aggressive 3v3 with Zeri, Yumi, and Sejuani 
into Viego, yeah, the, not the key Australian. point here is Crazy. they opted into it, right, Dom? They could they could have chose yeah. not to have this fight. Yeah, hundred percent. They they yeah. opted into something like that, and that's like it's like we're in season thirteen. What we're we're fighting early game with Yumi into Draven. Like we don't, it's we don't a Draven at all, exactly. Come it's on. Draven. And also, like, there's the other thing. Dude, you're reckless. You've played every fucking Draven forever. You know Ansama. Yeah, you know what it's like to play against Draven. You know what? You know you just stay away from him for the first like five levels. Come on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just get to... Look, Draven is the same thing. You let him do whatever the fuck he wants. You try to make sure that you're not yes. diveable. And then you like bring people at level six. You get a gank at a certain timing. You just make the game hard yes. for the fucking Draven to, to play. You, you kill him once and then you're just ahead for the rest of the game. Yes, the f we have to know in season thirteen to not opt into a fight where, like, you have weaker early game support, you have weaker early game eighty carry, and weaker early game juggler. It doesn't get more obvious than that. So that that's my issue with Fnatic is like, how do you guys like? They know it. That's that's the problem is they do know it. It's I'm not like some fucking genius where I'm like, hey, maybe we should not take this three v three, and they'd be like, what? What the fuck? Oh, yeah, I never thought of that. No, they know that this is this is the the obvious play, but they can't execute it together. So here's the other Why? thing, dude. Like, that's an example of where it's not even one mistake. It's about three mistakes in a row. Like, if you go back and watch, I was just looking at it now while you were talking. Dude, they have, like, about three chances to just disengage. Even at the end, they can just walk away and they just go back in and get fucking auto soaked. Like, I mean, Reckless can't flash like an <laughs> I know. auto. Like, what the he hell? Flashes once the auto's already on him, it's, like, disgusting. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like... We're flashing when the auto's already on us and giving a triple. Like, surely we don't all have to die I know. here. Come <laughs> like, on, come on, man. And people will say you're being too harsh on Fnatic, but uh, like it's week no, one. I this agree. Is basic League of Legends. Like if I saw this in a solo queue game, I'm typing. <laughs> like if I'm juggling and I saw this in a solo queue game, you're getting a new novel written in that game before the game ends. Yes. Here's the thing, though. Well, obviously, one thing we'll have to discuss about G2 because it was one of our focal points of the pre-season uh, pre thing. It's why I had them down at number four. It's because I had no clue what would happen with the Ike guy. And, mate, if we were talking about the ball one, could this guy have had a better fucking entry to the LEC? Dude, you know, do people know how rare it is, Dom, that in competitive play in the Western jungle gets, like, 10 kills? This guy <laughs> was doing it, like, every game. What the fuck? <laughs> like, this is about the best fucking... For someone who wasn't insanely hyped, like, this is fucking amazing. Like, I agree with you. Look, it is just week one and they are going to show some holes and they're going to have some times where it's going to be way more competitive. But fuck, this Yike guy looks like a great pickup. Fair play. I thought there's no way this Yankos gamble could work. And look, it's obviously only week one, but it's about the best week one you could hope for. This guy was fucking smurfing some of these games. He was smurfing, but there's still like, there's in every single game before six, he made a mistake, right? Every single game he made, he made a, a mistake that ended up working out. But like, when I'm looking at things, I'm like, oh, this is not what should happen. Right? You know? Like what? Like, okay. Just so, for stylistic purposes. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll just go through all three mistakes. The first one is like that, that second invade that he did on, on Raptors with graves. Like the first invade was good. Right. Then he invaded again when he didn't have items, he just dies. So you're playing a, a Heimer graves. Like you're trying to continually pressure and you randomly die. You like, if you're playing versus a top, top tier team, that's going to put you behind for the rest of the game. It's going to be very hard for you to get back into the game. Obviously, they were just better than the other team, so they, they just would find another opportunity quickly where they were able to, to, to win it. But realistically, these are mistakes that put you behind. When you're playing Graves and you're behind like that, the game, the game go, goes rough. All right, second game versus Fnatic, the, the way of like not splitting the map, and then when he tries to enter Tribush, the fact that Razork actually chunked him out, that should stifle the bot lane play. That should immediately stifle the bot lane play and give the, the Zeri Yumi more time to, to scale up. Like you won't be able to get Dove anymore. And if you don't get Dove, there's not really going to be a kill angle. Um, unless 
they freeze the wave on you where like they push it in really hard you you don't contest it at all and then they freeze the wave on you on the way out that'll be your next kill angle but that that not getting dove is really crucial because at least if you're pushing out you're not going to lose the wave under turret and fucking die <laughs> just have like the worst situation ever so that was the, the second one and then the the game three he actually makes two mistakes number one when he invades he should be dropping the ward over the wall uh of blue so that he can actually see where the enemy jungler is he puts it in the bush um, but he should ward over the wall of of blue. Also, he has mid prio, so even if the Sejuani is camping that brush for for some reason, he still should be okay, right? Like he he should be able to get out of the situation with his Q. So he should drop the ward over the wall. He gets his flash blown because he you know he he doesn't see where the the Sejuani is entering, so he gets his flash blown by the Lux. And then the mid situation, he goes into a two v two with no flash. And if Caps is a completely smart, like just look at what Caps does there. He flashes to block Deors because. Uh, the Kindred's flashless. So they engage on the Kindred. Caps goes, flashes to block Deor's E, hits the Q on, on 113, pulls in Deor, then E's them, and it allows him to get off like a little bit more damage and they win the 2v2. Like, he's getting away with some things that, you know, in, in coming weeks, eventually, that like you're going to have to to clean things oh, up. But I'm way, away even the it. way you described that one, if you don't have caps on your team, that one doesn't work. So, yeah, there you go. There's already where he's getting a bit of a boost. Here's the thing, though. I, one thing when you were talking there that I did think of, though, that's a good a good point to make, is if you look at who he did play in week one, though, Dom. True, they played some like big names, but look, he played Cersei, Razork, and 113. Like, the joke is, that's also a very welcoming set of junglers, if you know how those guys play. Like, the the real question is this. This week, he at least plays against Jankos and Bo and fucking Marcoon. Like, this will be mm -hmm. the week to see. Because when he plays against Bo or, or fucking Jankos, I want to see what happens then, mate. That'll be the interesting one to me. Those are the two tests on either end of the spectrum, you know. I mean, I expect it to go well for him because, it, like, these like these mistakes are going to be easily able to, to clear up. You know, like, sure. you can... You can get better. This is the thing is when you play the way Yike did, it's so much easier to get better because your mistakes are like so obvious. You're like, oh, okay, like I, I was doing the right thing, but if I just adjust it slightly, then it goes 10 times better, right? If he just bases in the first game and buys his double longsword, then he could just make the same play again. In game two, if, if he just splits the map, like you literally just agree as a team, oh, we're just going to start in their jungle here. We're just going to directly split the map and then you just are ahead, right? So like that's a very easy solution as well. And then game number three is just drop the word in a different place so you don't get your flash blown. These are all things that 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 they can review for five minutes. And with all the experience around him, somebody's going to be able to catch this. This is not crazy information that he's going to like struggle to, to get. I mean, there are some some puzzles that are harder. But when you play the way Yike does, it's so much easier to improve because your mistakes are so blatantly obvious. Like as soon as they happen, you're like, oh, well, I shouldn't have lost my flash there. Oh, I shouldn't have invaded here. It's it's just way easier for him to solve the puzzle. So I, I think it'll it'll go well for him if his lanes continue playing the way he does. Because if Mickey X and 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 Hans uh, and, and Hans Sommer just have having pressure the entire time bot lane, yep. and then you have mid lane that Caps is just winning every mid lane. He's just having pressure pretty much the entire time mid. The game's so easy to play. You can just invade one side of the map permanently. Yes. By the way, there's another thing as well. Fair play to G2. The gamble on Hans Armour thus far is looking great. It actually does look like what everyone hoped for in the offseason. Like he just came back to Europe. They did the fucking men in black thing. There was no LCS Hans Armour. Oh, great. Time to play with Mickey X. Like It looked fucking great. And also, the Mickey X one, mate, this guy is one of the most enigmatic players ever. I almost feel like the only reason we're not all obsessed with Mickey X is because Hillasan came along just before him and has similar sort of like strengths and weaknesses. And so he just ends up seeming like sort of like fucking Hillasan light to some people. But dude, this guy 
guy's so interesting to me because what's weird about him is there doesn't seem to be like any rhyme or reason as to when he's really good. He seems to just almost, I wonder if he's like an intuitive player or something because he just has these times where he has times where he'll look bad like Hillerside. And then he just has weeks where it's like, of course you pick this guy. He's a fucking monster. Like this guy looks really good again. I can see why they put brought him back to G2. Maybe Ansama was right. It's a fucking good pickup so far. Yeah. I mean, he plays like Hillisong used to play. That's the thing. He plays like Hillisong used to play, where it's mostly good, but then he just has like a few ins every game. Exactly. But it's yeah. so much pressure that you give him the pass. Like you're yes. pressuring the map so hard that you're altering the game into your favor massively by by what you're doing on the map. You could you could critique his play. I mean, if you want to go go through every single game, I mean the Ash game was was really terrible, right? Like that was just a, a terrible Ash game in terms of his actual play. He got killed in the lane. Like you're picking Ash into what was it? Lux with Predator, and you died in lane to Lux with Predator. Like that's rough. And then he gets caught again. Like he's running it down a, a lot in that game. But if you're just pressuring so hard, it doesn't matter because it just lo it looks like it looks like you you're just like trolling almost. Like you just don't care. Like the game's so easy that you're just not even focusing. That's how that's how it looks. So I'm not too critical of Mickey until they start slowing down their pace because obviously when you have such a fast pace it's way easier to make the mistakes that yike made the mistakes that mickey x made like all those mistakes are, are you just have to make so many decisions that one of them is bound to you know backfire or just fail in a massive way if we talk a bit about Koi, i feel like actually Koi, just like for that is another team where i think a lot of people I don't know about others, but I feel like we've got a good read on this team, mate, because this team is exactly who I thought they are. They're like, they're not, they're, they're not some like, oh my God, they should win the whole split. Like, actually, they do look like they're going to be like the top three, top four team. But with, I, like, the problem I have with this team is I actually get the vibe of, of when Rogue would have dodgy games. You know, the worst thing about the old Rogue lineup when they had Odoam there was they would have certain games where it was like, they dude, did nothing. You got all, yeah, you got all, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Exactly. You have all these great players on paper, but it feels like there's no punch. You know what I mean? There's no power when you hit. It's like, it's like you're one of those boxes where no one has to fear putting their hands up because you just, you can tap them all day long. You never knock someone out. So the problem I had was the Rogue at the end was looking really good. This looks like they've sort of regressed a little bit, mate. Like they weren't bad by any means. They've just got a bunch of good players, but. Like, what's the spark to this team? That's the problem, you know. And obviously, look, I'm not going to, like, tunnel on Shigenda just because he's the new person to join. But obviously, since it's his new team, I have to address that angle. And quite frankly, it didn't look very convincing in this first week. I mean, he got all the picks, I'm assuming he wanted, like, all the carry picks, but it didn't look that great to me, mate. Yeah, I think my issue with, with Shigenda is the, the third game. The, the third game that they the played where he, has this, where he has a massive lead on Jax. Like, that's your game to carry. Like, you've been yep. pathing topside. Malrong is just like essentially camping your lane and you're just not able to like carry the game with Jax, which is such a, a strong pick. When you watch Photon's Jax game and then you watch Segenda's Jax game, it feels like if you gave Photon Segenda's lead, the game would be over. Like he would just, Photon would just take over the game. He would just have pressure inside. He would be able to find angles in team fights. But it felt like that game, like Wonder was just able to chill. Like Wonder was able to just be more useful than him in team fights. He was never able to find and engage when you have all these different angles to engage um from with jack so to me you have to have the the whole package if you're going to play these types of carry picks like you can't just be good in lane and get a lead and then be playing it like you have to understand how to use that lead to make it unplayable for the enemy team in in team fights and i just didn't see that out of him so i don't know he's always been super hyped to me um people hyped him up when he joined lec the first time i mean yeah. at this point you know he's in the third year of his career Yes. Um, and he's back in LEC. So I don't give him like the full, like he's not a rookie, right? No, he's no. Somebody who's, I don't think he should be. Yeah, he's not considered a rookie to me. So when I see these types of mistakes, it's like there's something missing. Like he just doesn't understand 
how to use his lead when other people on his team aren't also ahead. Yes. And I'll just throw this out there. Remember, this is an angle people are actually going to miss, is when you bring in a player like that, it also, because he's trying to play carry tops, you are fundamentally changing the way that fucking Koi slash Rogue operates. Like, the best thing about an auto Amna or an Impact is it just streamlines your team. You know exactly which lanes you're going to play through. What they get. So the problem I have as well is this. It's like, isn't this in theory the era where you want, like, your fucking ADC popping off? Like, if this guy's just fucking throwing away top lane leads, how's that help? What's that? How is that going to help them win the old way they used to? Like, they used to win the game by Larson's always up in CS and on a fucking mage. Comp just gets to a team fight. Maybe in the middle, there's some Maran crazy ganks, a few fucking, like, the odd game of Trimby on some weird side pick. But aside from that, you do win the game by fucking comp cleaning up team fights. Like, they're not going to get to team fights with a player like this. The, the sad thing for me is I feel like eventually when you have the new player coming in and they're not able to work on or they're they're not immediately doing what you thought they would be good at, which is playing the carry top and then carrying team fights in, in a different way, you might revert to the way that you used to win. But no. then Sagenda will just be a worse version of Odo Abde. Yep. So like that's the biggest issue that I exactly. see with Koi is if they start putting you know, Sagenda on, on all the, the Odo Omni champions, if they're just putting him yes. on fucking Orin and Nar and Renekton and they just play these types of champions and he's not actually, a, you know, you don't get any of the upside of having that player on your team. The whole advantage is that Sagenda is supposed to be better than Odo on the Fiora, on the Jax. And that, these are champions that are, you know, they're, they're playable in the meta. If you go watch other top laners around the world, the best top laners in the world are still able to play all, all these yes. picks and they'll 1v9 games. I mean, Jax is probably the most broken that, that he's been in competitive for like four or five years i mean he's blindable that's never been a thing Jax used to be a situational counter pick yeah. or maybe you could pick him four or five on red side if you had the bands in place where you could ban out the specific things that make his life miserable it seems like you just play jackson to anything now you don't care even really broken champions like asante you're willing to play jackson to i don't know there's something missing in his game there's something missing in his game where where when you watch him it's like he doesn't know what to do to win the game on those picks. He knows how to get a lead. He knows how to lane. And then once you get into the mid game, he reminds he reminds me of Lorlo, honestly. This was Lorlo's problem when he joined TL back in okay. like season six, was that he was really insane in solo queue on the Fiora, like for the time, obviously. Sure. He's really insane on these split pushing champions because he would get massive leads in lane, but he just didn't know how that translated into like winning the whole game. You know <laughs> what I love about that? But this is why narratives are so fucked. Because obviously the exact same week, Odo Amne did actually look pretty good, but completely ELO held on XL. And are you ready? Aside this from is, the Jax game. The Jax game was pretty bad. No, no, that one was bad. But the joke is, it wouldn't have helped anyway if he'd have been in Koi, because spoiler, that used to happen to Odo Amne in their team as well. If he ever got ahead on like Jace or Renekton or Jax, you knew like, there's no way this team's going to play around this and actually win the <laughs> game. Like, that's just, the question is just like, how did they fuck it up in the mid game? Like, it's actually the same problem. The problem is this though. This is the bad part, like we're saying essentially, is this is the first choice way for this guy to play. The Odo Amne one was always just more like, right, let's reward him for all those great weeks at games by giving him the odd carry game. I'm with you. The big problem at the moment is just fundamentally, it seems like a mismatch. So bear in mind the rest of the team, like they've always been a team that could unfortunately, like I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the best way you describe a team like Koi Dom is, you know, people normally use it the other way. Like they play up to the level of their opponents because I actually think Koi have some really good players. I think it's the opposite. I think they play down to the level of their opponents, if you know what I mean. Like you ever put this team, even though they used to win so many regular season games, it's like you say, they were absolutely the team that even if they finished first, they would always have the random loss to a bottom two team. Like you say, like an Astralis loss for no reason whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Like that, that, they're just not the team that fucking crush you, unfortunately. 
which is a bit underwhelming because in this group of teams, like you're supposed to actually, this is supposed to be the split that's wide open. If you if you kept your, remember, they're the reigning champions, get four of the players together. Surely you're the team that hits the ground running and is great in week one. Like this is actually like a sort of a, a, a semi-dodgy week one. Yeah, definitely. When you compare them to the other teams, like G2 replaced how many players, right? They replaced three players on their team. Yep. You look at Vitality, they, they have a completely different lineup. They have a completely different lineup. The only player that remains is Perks, which is like you have five new players playing together. How is Koi not immediately just better Absolutely. than these teams based off the fact that they kept four out of five and they were the champions? Like, I, I don't see why they fell off so hard. And and all the games looked bad. It's not like we're just looking no, at it and, oh, they had one bad game here and there. Even the games they won, like none of the games felt good to watch. So... There's something really missing. I mean, I think that Odo Omne's, uh, you know, Im importance to the team is is really showing through now. Absolutely. What did you actually think? One team I was actually semi-surprised by, Dom, because I was very down on him before the split. I actually thought Mad Lions looked a tiny bit better than I thought they were going to, mate. <laughs> With the context that I do still think that bot lane is an absolute war crime slash abomination that it was ever even created. Like, <laughs> the joke is Hillisang. <laughs> Hillisang just doesn't care, mate. He's still on that bullshit. He's still on that Lulu gear was so egregious. Like I don't the give sad thing anymore. Here's the sad thing, Dom. I don't actually in any context hate Hillisang. I don't just like his personality. I even love like when he was at his peak, like you're saying, the old Hillisang used to be fucking great. I could even totally accept, like, look, I'll accept the ints for those genius players, or you know, like that famous game where he did the fucking like split push pike in the playoffs. Like stuff like that makes it like <laughs> look out. Exactly. I'll pay. Exactly. I'll just pay. I'll pay the price of admission. I'm with you. I don't pay the price of admission anymore, mate. This is actually embarrassing. Like this guy is for real. He is one of the all-time great European players. But what a shit fucking last year and a half this will be if it keeps going like this. This is yeah. whack. It, it's been about a year because I feel like in spring he was actually really good last year. I yep. mean, he was MVP candidate in in spring, but playoffs was not good. And I just feel like he can't play Enchanters. It just seems like he just yep. does not have the ability to play Enchanters. And we've been in an Enchanter meta for a while now. So yep. I don't know. I mean, his enchanters are the worst are dude, bad Let's in be the real. The worst thing about him as well is this. I've always said this. I used to say this back in the day when he used to hit all those games on Nautilus. It's not even that you int. It's that you, you, the worst crime, in my opinion, for a player like him is where you do the thing and he's the worst for it. You play a champion and you can tell by the way he plays it, dude. He plays it like it. Like the joke is he does play Lulu like it's Rakan. He thinks his job is to go in the center of everyone and do a knock-up. It's like, but you're not on that champion. So the word, the, mo the thing that makes it most egregious, in my opinion, is it's like, if you're going to be bad, at least just try not to win. Just make that your main goal. He still tries to win the game. You know what I mean? Like, but he can't. And he has a result. Like, I was making this point on something insight. Like, the joke is, he must have the most overrated vision in his mind of how important, like, fucking Flash Polymorph is. He thinks landing that is the greatest combo in League of Legends. <laughs> he's, he's, he's so horny to go for it every time. Time. That's why I said it's like when he used to play those Nautilus games like three years ago. The guy would be going in like he was on Pike. You're like, bro, that is, they kept, there's not even a play to be made here. What are we doing? Yeah, it was, it was it was pretty absurd. I mean, the game versus Vitality, he literally has Flash, Heal, Ulti. In the mid lane fight, the one yep. where, where Bo stops El Yoya blind that everyone was, was, was jerking off over. In that fight, he gets one shot by Perks again. And he doesn't use any of his abilities. Like he is, I don't know where his keyboard is. He doesn't use any of his abilities. And then the bot lane situation, he walks up into his ear, gets one shot, doesn't use a spell. And then he respawns and does the same thing again. It's like, at some point, you got to take responsibility for just anything. Like, do you just have no concept of how tanky you are? I mean, the weird thing is that it just happened to him. It's sometimes damage could be surprising in the game. You get one shot by something, you're like, what the fuck? What just one shot me? 
but how does it happen twice within like a 30 second window? Like it, it, it just seems so weird, especially in the context of when he was chasing, he's just in front of his whole team chasing vitality out of the base as Lulu, like he's going to somehow catch them. Oh. It just makes no sense. It's so weird. And I'll, I'll even put this out there. Cause I think this is a good angle to take. Bear in mind, remember, Dom, everyone's going to forget this detail. Even though I, I think it was wrong, last split they gave the Mad Lions coaching staff coaching staff at the split. Like, I think it should have been Misfits like we discussed on the show, but whatever. Mm -hmm. For some reason, the media just went with the narrative. Like, I've heard Mac and them are good. Like, it's like that's a fucking just a Reddit narrative. Look, he is, but you just you just took a classic narrative. That would be like not watching the play and just going, I'm, I assume Reckless was the best ADC. Yeah, you probably write more splits, but maybe watch the games. The problem I have is this, Dom. This split should show how great they are as a fucking coaching staff. If they can turn Kazi and Hillisang around and make this lineup work, I'll give it up to them. Maybe they are fucking gods of coaching because the problem I have is this. I actually worry that Hillisang will be just as bad as this the whole time because the one downside I see to their coaching staff, this is why I think they work best with rookies, is they don't seem like a like a, like a a much of a disciplinarian type of a staff, if you know what I mean. They don't seem like the kind of staff that's going to tell you like essentially like the harsh truth that like you fucked up. Like you're saying, they would never give the speech you just gave. Like you take responsibility, you fucked up, you cost them the game, what do you do? I don't think they would do that. So I do worry. I hope they don't take too soft a touch with it because I think that's a problem you have to get on now, dude. Like, like I was saying before about like the format and stuff, like sure you went two or once, so you're probably gonna make the next phase. But if this team wants any chance of being like a relevant team, they've got to fix that issue. You can't just have this guy it goes roll seven on Lulu. What? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem that they have is they feel as a coaching staff, or just from like just from talking to them as people, that they don't want to like detract from the strengths of the player by you know honing in on on yes. their weaknesses. They don't want to be like, don't. Like Hillisong, don't go for anything ever, and then he just ends up being like a bot in in the bot lane. You know, he's just AFK the entire game. So they're really careful with how they approach it. But I just don't know what the correct solution is. Like, are they going to to go through all the phases of trying to figure out how you end up winning with, with Hillisong? Are you going to be the team that just completely ignores like what the meta is and it's like, okay, we'll give them Yumi and we'll just play to die them, get Hillisong on like Nautilus or Leona, and he's just going to go in over and over again. What, what is going to be their angle to make their, their team good versus, versus these other teams? Maybe they're a team that just has to ban, like, Nami Yumi every single game. They just ban Nami Yumi, and they just don't give them a good Lulu situation, potentially even ban that 4-5, and just play the game out like that. Maybe that has to be um, the angle. I'm not sure, but I just wonder if they'll actually go through all the phases or if they'll keep on trying to play the meta just because it's the meta. Are they going to go Lucianami every single time it's up? Are they going to go like, I mean, if they go Yumi Zeri, I just can't see them making it through that that lane phase. If Reckless wasn't able to make it through that lane phase versus, versus a top team like G2, how, how are Karzi and Hilly going to be safe and not die? I just don't believe it. Yeah, so the thing to me is this. I will say, though, I actually think, as mad as it sounds, if you are Mac and the guys at Mad Lions, the Hillisang problem is like a good problem to have. Because you know when we were having that discussion last year, Dom, about like, is this really the time you finally cut Hillisang from Fnatic? Because we talked about, you know, in the past, yeah, he would have like time. I wouldn't even say he had whole splits. He just had weeks where he did in past years. This was the first time he truly just like f fucked a whole split up. But at the same time, the big problem obviously is if you kick him, your nightmare is what if it's like some mad fucking thresh meta next split and he's just the best again. So of all the teams, if you look in LEC, Mad Lions actually is the team that should have gambled on him. They lost Kaiser, so they're not getting a player as good as that coming in. Like, unless they'd have gone with the Targamas move or something, which he was already going to XL, apparently. If you look at the teams out there, actually, Hillisang is worth a gamble if you're Mad Lions. It's not a bad pickup for them. If somehow they did get it fixed, they'd have a, a piece that's way better than they should have. I don't I don't hate it as a pickup, even though I do think it's somewhat doomed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I get, you've got to go I, for I, I summer. Don't, I, don't, I don't hate it either. It's just like, 
the pairing is the most the pairing's the worst. Pairing yeah, no, that's the one I don't get. Is here's the thing, dude. Like, I didn't know Reckless or the Rooks guy wouldn't have great synergy. This one doesn't even look like on paper it should work <laughs> for any reason. You know? Yeah, I mean, it you can like tell that to anyone. Like, if you were to just like just play some 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 little games in last summer and you were just to do an imaginary exercise where you're pairing players together this would be like the most extreme int version of a pairing you could ever have no matter what like you could look yes. at any of the players in the league at that time there was not there's not a more int pairing you could ever have than Karzi Hillisong and I'll just say it again. Look, it's sort of a rhetorical thing I say, guys. I do actually know why. Like, as Dom says, I've talked to Mac and people from Adlines. I've talked to teammates of his. I do know why people value Carsey. I'll rephrase it. Here's the problem. It's not that I don't know what they see in Carsey, Dom. I just don't believe them. <laughs> Is that a good way to phrase it? Like, because they've all told me all that shit. Like, oh, it's calm. It's good attitude. Like, he actually does know what to do. Like, the middle of it. I just don't believe it. That's it. And I'll throw this in as well. You're an ADC, brother. You've got to actually be able to do well in lane. That's half your game. That is half your game. Like, yeah, I mean, they kind, of, just... they kind of had some good lanes. They had a good lane versus They were Pakali, all right. I guess. They were all right. No, like, that one was pretty decent, actually. The, before they started completely inting, right? I mean, to be honest, that game, I mean, we're talking about bot lane because that's an interesting point. Like, Niski just played a fucking bad game. I don't think he there's did. anything more to say that, than, than that for mid lane. But in, in bot lane... The number one, the drafting is weird. You don't take Nami, you don't take Lucian over the Nami. You take the Nami because Nami can actually lane with other champions. And if you take Lucian, Lucian doesn't have a good pairing outside of Nami. So that was weird. But the fact that they were able to play the Lucian Lulu and actually have pressure bot lane and they got themselves into an advantageous position, they solo killed the bot lane. They actually would have went two for oh um, if they didn't get dragged into the mid lane fight that was occurring um, the same way. So that was okay. That, that, was a, that was a better lane than I expected. It's just like, it's not good enough like if even if you have aggressive players and you're able to get a couple kills in lane if you then in like seven fights in a row who the fuck cares like lane is only a small portion of the game and, and sure you can make the the argument that it's the most important portion but even if it is the most important portion once you die once all that all that work that you did instantly yeah. goes away i mean you you know how it is to play play a solo queue game if you play a solo queue game you're like 3-0. You got a 600 gold shutdown on you. 600 gold total, 300 gold shutdown. And you die once in the game. You instantly feel, you're like, oh shit, that guy's even with me. Yeah. And then if you're not able to, to get that lead back in the mid or late game, that's it. Like you've yes. just, you've just thrown your lead and now you're just going to be behind for the rest of the game. I just don't see them being able to, to keep their leads even when they get the leads. Yes. By the way, just as an aside, that's easy, also easily the way I would just describe why I think Kazi's just an inappropriate player for a top team. He doesn't fill the fundamental qualities of his role. Even if he has strengths elsewhere. Now you're just on some, like, clear love back in the day was fine as a fucking farming jungler because his team won the team fight. Like, now you're not talking about the role anymore. You just talk about how you fix a problem where you've got a problem, but he has a strength somewhere else. It's like, in this scenario, I'd rather just... The joke is, I would take a reckless any day over a Kazi. Like, he might have flaws, but they're not, they don't kill my whole game. They just don't let me win as many games. That's the difference. Kazi might throw the whole game for me. Also, like I said, I just don't get what people why they're in love with him. I don't. He's, a, he's a, again. He also has nothing wrong with his personality. He seems totally fine. But what? What, what the? Why are they in love with that guy's game? He's fucking all right. He's all right. Yeah, he's all right. I mean, I guess the, the the issue here is like if you're Mad Lions and you're looking just at at where your team matches up, like who would you get if if you assume that that the top five teams have already signed their players? Who would you get over Cars? I don't think there's anyone that I would rather have from one of these like bottom tier teams besides for maybe Crowny. I think Crowny is the one person that you can throw in there that's like, oh, that's probably more stable. Let me just check some of this. So I'll run through the ADCs who were okay, available so, for so you. 
Well, so like, let's, let's assume that like comp isn't going anywhere. Han Sama is already like <laughs> yeah. you've got yep. him locked up. Patrick is already staying on XL. Uh, Koi has comp, whatever, right? So so everyone has their eighty carries that are, that are uh, above you. And then left, you have Jack Spectra coming in. You have X, and I don't even know if Jack Spectra was potentially up for contract because he was in Heretics Academy, so he might be on a contract where you know if they promote him, then other teams can't negotiate because some contracts work like that. Um, and you have the ability to sign between. Uh, Crowny, you have Jack Spectra, um, you have Exekick, and then you have Kabi. I guess Kabi is the only one that you could say, but even that, I mean, I, like Kabi, I feel like is limited upside. So I can understand the Karzi pick in the context of the 80 carries that were left. I, I was What I was doing while you were talking there was I was just very carefully reading some DMs so I don't fuck this up. Because one of the okay. reasons why, if you notice in League of Legends, Dom, I don't very often leak like behind-the-scenes stuff. But when I do, it's always fucking true. It's always goated. It's always locked down. I've got all the sauce. So all I'll tell you is this. I'm sure you heard something similar privately. So if you can, you can confirm. Well, I heard that p potentially it would actually have been upset on Vitality instead of fucking Neon. Yeah. Interesting. Wouldn't that have been an interesting move, right? Oh, in oh, that, oh, oh in on Vitality. That, not yeah, on that. Vitality. Okay. No, no, Vitality. Because oh. I've heard, that, here's what I heard. I've heard it would have been upset on Vitality and that upset didn't want to stay in Fnatic. But then because of this, Fnatic, like last minute, had to get reckless or whatever. And then I've heard that part of why it didn't happen in terms of like some of the other moves was then like, I think while they were like negotiating with Neon, they like vitality just like didn't they just like give Kazi the fucking mad lions like look he wants <laughs> to play there again just like gave him away or something so i think the way that the deal went just like it was the timing was off on it all but that would all also be an interesting because if you notice anyone who's heard their off-season rumors for the last like five years it seems like upset and perks just want to play together i don't know like every time they get a chance they're just yeah. drawn together like that it just never happens somehow it, it just never it, happens it's a perfect fit right like that when you think about what each of them bring upset one somebody who like knows how to win yeah. and like he doesn't care if like they win lane or anything he's like you just have the vision of knowing how to win because that's what he's been struggling with and then perch just wants somebody who's a fucking beast that he can like direct you know like somebody who is just super proficient at at what they do i mean perks made the, made the joke in the offseason to me where he said oh i'm just trying to get carried by zoomers like, that's what he said he's hey, like i well, just want a bunch of zoomers on sure. my team to carry me you know like that, sure. that was his that was his uh his offseason discussion point so I think that that makes sense. I don't know. Everyone just hates upset for some reason. I've noticed like, in the community, yeah. they have some weird perception of how he's like the most, like if you have upset, you have to play through him all the time. It's like, that's never how it is. If you watch oh, no. any of, of these teams that he's on, it's always that they try to play through other people and it never they fucking always works. start like that. Yep. You're right. The joke they, is, by the way... And then they the, default to Upset later. The joke is, that's exactly right. What's what's so mad about Upset's career? I, I've observed the same thing, Dom. It's the same thing that happens to all the reckless teams. You start out playing, like, solo lane style or whatever, and then what you do is, when things go bad, they're super reliable ADC, so you just load up the ADC and you play through them, of course. Like, the joke is... On bad teams, you should ask for that anyway if you're far and away the best player and you play a position like ADC. But I actually think on the top teams, I don't know why that's a criticism, Dom, because I think it's the other way around, like you said. I don't think he comes in and goes, the only way we play is through bot. I am Uzi I from Germany, 1v9. It's the other mm -hmm. way. He comes in like a normal... By the way, here's the other thing from no one upset. This is a guy... It's a bit like... Um, let me think who I could give an example of here. I mean, he, he'll do anything that he... He'll do anything yeah, to win. basically, here's the problem. The joke is, I actually think Upset's dream is a bit like Perks' dream there. 
Upset's dream, for real, is to have the best solo laners, and sometimes he gets carried. But every fan thinks he just wants to be the guy with the most CS and 1v9. It has to be all. I actually think the same thing you do. Like, I think what happens is when he notices it just does not work. And by the way, Fnatic was a perfect example. Because even though on paper they had some amazing names, that team fundamentally did not work. And the only way they won games in the playoffs was let's just do all through the fucking bot lane. It was all about what you drafted bot lane, how you played through bot lane. Razork just ganked the bot lane like every fucking game it felt like. Like, the joke is that's actually a positive guys that at least you always have one win condition with these guys at least you can always load it around them I agree I, I've always thought like the fan hate was so weird because like the joke is they would hate on Reckless Fnatic fans when he won games in Fnatic and then Reckless can just like have an average to bad game lose the game and they're like well, I give him a chance give him more time like what <laughs> why do you hate this guy so much because I'm with you because the other move I was going to say like obviously didn't have with the Vitality movies it would also have been interesting if he'd have gambled and gone to Mad Lions right I'm sure it'd be for way less money but Look, I don't like the Hillersang pairing style. I don't know why he's in love with him, but I would love it if Upset was on this team, mate. That'd be an interesting squad. For sure. I don't know. People have a weird perception of him. And also, like, the weird thing is that everyone knows his contract. Like, everyone thinks that he was yes. just available and no team wanted him. That That's what people legitimately yes. think. People are that fucking sick in the head that they think that he was just, like, a free piece. And people are like, nah, he's too much of a problem, so we don't want him on, on the team. So it's just it's just weird at this point, the, the fan hate towards oh, Upset. Good it Here's a good angle on that I thought I should bring up for you, though. I do feel like he is one of the rare players I've ever seen, Dom, where I don't know if it was... I think it actually might not have been wrong to sit out this split. Because, you know, normally, my my perspective, I always used to even say this to people like Forgiven who have sat out splits in the past. My old perspective was you should never sit out a split because you should always just try and keep your skills up. Do the best you can. Even if you're in a bad team, just show you're good and you hope that the right people with the, with the eye test can see it and mm. still recruit you. But I do get the feeling if you were upset, here's why you might not have done like a Mad Lions, but even though as far as I know, they just got Kazi for free, so that was never on the table, right? When you're in the scenario he is, and you've spent all those years getting hated on as the 1v9 ADC, and you finally get into a team like Fnatic for a few years. Dude, if you go back and you play for a Heretics, a BDS, a Mad Lads, and you in any way don't win, all those haters will be 10 times more vocal. You know what I mean? They'll just make it that it was you. And they'll be like, look, he's shit, he's done. And you'll never, if, if you have the wrong GM of the next team and he listens to Reddit narratives, they're not going to sign you. So in a fucked up way, it might be better to just gamble that someone, when someone needs an AD, they come in and just take in. Yeah. A split or two, right? Or in the third one of the fucking first part, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people take time off now. And, and after seeing a, a few people do it, if you are like somebody who has years of, of experience, I mean, similar to like how Niski took spring off yep. and, and you you actually are grinding, I don't think you're going to lose that much in, in a split. In six months, the game doesn't change that much. Communication doesn't change that much. If you start taking years off, I think that then there's an issue. Like maybe if Nemesis came back after not playing since what, season 10? Maybe now we're entering the territory where there's going to be like a massive gap between what he was used to in pro play and, and what it what is actually happening now on just like the communication team side of things. But if you're taking a, a split off and you're still grinding the game, like what is he? He's ranked two in in, in LEC in, in uh sorry EU sol EU West solo queue right now, grinding the fucking game like he's somebody who everyone knows is is, is fucking talented. And you just wait out a portion of your contract. I think that it's fine. I, I think that it's completely um, understandable at, as a player. I mean, we saw Niski do it last year. He came back in. He literally won MVP. I mean, we can debate how, how if he should have actually been MVP. But I mean, I don't think. Uh, I think looking back, a lot of people say that it's really egregious. Overall, I don't think it's it's, like that a, it was. Here's the thing: egregious is too far. I would just say maybe it's more like a preference thing. I maybe would have taken El Yoyo instead. But I mean, I don't think. Pretty I think he was in the convo. Yeah, for sure. He, he was in somebody... the convo. If you if you play if you take playoffs out of your head because none of that counted and you yeah, yeah. only look yeah. at the spring split body of work, 
I mean, he did join the team that was seventh place and they did place second, like I think they were one game behind yeah, yeah. G2 at the end. And, and you know, he... I think they were I even mean, tied. I think they just lost the tiebreaker or something. Didn't they? Oh, yeah. No, the okay. mad thing is, dude, Fine. the vibe I get with Niski, because it's, it's a good point you brought up, actually. You might remember this. I know it's an old school poll now because I'm going back to 2007. Do you remember in 2007 when the Mavs had lost the finals to the Heat the year mm -hmm. before and then they had yep. the best record and Dirk Nowitzki was the MVP, but they lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Warriors, right? Everyone hated him. They were like, see, he shouldn't have been the MVP. It's, like, it's a regular season award, you moron. Losing this game now doesn't mean... Doesn't, what, now magically he wasn't the best player in the whole... Because if people don't know, go back and look that season. That was like a season, by the way, where he was in that like 50, 40, 90 club where you just like max out the yep. fucking shoot. Like, he was the MVP, so I agree with you. Like, the problem is this. Because they lost all the playoff series and then did nothing at Worlds and didn't even make the main event, people are just going to now spin it backwards. But it's like, I'm sorry, if you really thought Niski wasn't the MVP, you had to say it before the playoffs. You did. Yep. Otherwise, otherwise, it wasn't a legit take, was it? Everyone could see if they lose the game, it wasn't as good anymore. But the point is also, let's be real, he did play way better in the regular split than those playoffs. Come on. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, he was he was probably the more... Like, out of all... Because they got four all-pro first teams, I think him and El Yoya were, like, the most solid out of those all-pro first yeah. teams. You know, I think if you're going to start criticizing, I would say maybe Unforgiven could could have been uh, could have been down a little bit. Maybe you have... I mean, I guess the the biggest one was like Kaiser because people were thinking Targamas yep. was having a really good split. So like, where where did they line up there? Coaching staff, like they probably should have won all the awards, but I think that that was a pretty solid one. But I mean, my point in, in general is just that if you're, if you've been playing for a long period of time and you're not taking off multiple years at this point, especially at this point of League of Legends, because in season six to season eight, there was actually a massive gap. Like people would get better and better and better. But if you look at the difference between players in season 11 and season like 13, it's not that big. Like, People are starting to get better. The, the differences are, are a lot smaller. Yes. You're not having to relearn massive com uh, concepts when you come back in. I think it's completely fine. Also, another thing I would quickly say on the upset topic is, one, the reason it's so crazy what the fan perspective is on him is, dude, you'll know this. Pro players have a way higher opinion of upset. Most pro players I don't think he's really fucking good. Like, they have a similar yeah, opinion to me. everyone thinks he's really good. Oh, I don't, I, put it this way, the only people I know who don't think he's good are just people who don't like him personally and have, like, a beef or some shit. But yeah, there is also, I, I will <laughs> say, though, there are some pros who I do think also slightly lean into, like, the hater category. And this is why, Dom, this is why it's, like, a side topic, and then we'll pretty much wrap the episode of this, is... I do get the vibe he gets people who hate on him in the sense that he does, he obviously gives off the perception, it's correct, that he's a try hard. He's a guy who grinds super hard. He's super serious. He's mega German like that. He's not the guy who's just having fun. Like, he's super serious. He's about winning these practices, winning these games, winning the championship. And so unfortunately, if you're that type of guy, I actually think this is why in the early days, even people like LeBron used to get hated on. If you have the vibe of like, you're supposed to be the best, but you don't win. People who are sort of like medium level pros, they're, they're always like a bit salty towards you. They're sort of like, they sort of like get shy and Freud that you lose like oh look he was trying really hard he lost like ha ha it's funny yeah. and he's not as good as reckless well some pros do lean it up but it's not as many it's mainly just redditors like that <laughs> I mean it, it is pretty weird when when situations like that co come up because it's like it's like you're mad at them for doing what they do. Well, like it's like exactly. yeah, that's what you're supposed to be yeah. trying to do. You know, like yeah. it's it's like it's like when people would make fun of people who did well in school. It's like yeah. Haha, you're getting straight A's. What a fucking loser you are. You're gonna like have like a good job and be like super rich and important and successful and like you're gonna have a happy and fulfilling life. Huh? What a fucking loser you are. That that's how it feels with with situations like that. Before we wrap, we should talk about heretics because I oh, feel let's like do it. yes. Oh, sorry, we should actually. I agree. There was an interesting week for sure. Let's go. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, my, my first point, look, I'm going to gloat a little bit. I, I did have them ninth, right? So I thought that they would be shit. Now, I will say, part of the reason I thought they would be shit was because I think that Evie is not that good. 
but he did look good this week. That's smart, Gibbs. True. He did look good this week, but I'm going to fucking double down. I think that even in this week where he played lane phase admittedly well, like he played the lane phase as well. I think he showed reasons, which I pick up on when I watched him at Worlds, for example, as to why I don't think that he'll be that good in this league. Like, I don't think that he has a great sense for, for the map and after lane phase, like what to do with leads. I mean, there was one of those games that they ended up winning where he ran it down like five times in a row with Cassante, where I feel like if you're a really, really insane player, you know how to carry your leads. For example, another import that you compare, if you compare them to the other two import top laners that you're looking at, Chasey and, and Photon, I feel like they were much better at that uh, in the mid game at understanding what their, their advantages were. So I'll say that. And the other thing is, I think he was slightly carried by Cassante. I think Cassante is just batshit broken. And I would Very love to right see, now, yeah. like before I'm going to give him all of his flowers, I want to see, number one, I want to see them win some games because look, if they only, like the only team I had them beating was Astralis, right? So if they do just beat, yes. lose to everyone else, if they lose to BDS this week, whatever, and, and they end up in, in ninth place, then, you know, they're just, just as bad as I thought. I, I just want to see, him do i want to see evie be able to do what he could do on or what he did on other champions i want to see him do it on a Jax or do it on a renekt or like another champion that i don't perceive to be as broken as cassante because for me i think cassante is being criminally underrated by lec players the fact it's dropping to four or five consistently i just don't it. fuck with it at all like i i think that the champion is literally just one of the best broken, in the whole broken, game broken. absolutely yeah one of the best champions in the whole game i just think that you know maybe people aren't super comfortable with it or maybe there's some fringe counters that people are aware are, are afraid of like people don't want to play it into nar whatever i want to see him do it off cassante before I, I really start buying into this heretics team and at the end of the day they lost to sk who looked dog shit right like sk looked yep. terrible in the first two games that's so what i was gonna say dude is like look i'll give him the vitality one that's fine but you said it perfectly it's only because he played Astralis. You got to fucking win this week, like, dude. You're, mm -hmm. These are win like you've got to get the SK win. If you, if your team like Heretics, we described described it earlier. Your main job is beat Astralis and BDS. That's your main job in the league because that way you yep. get into the next phase. They've already fucked it up. They've already got an SK loss. Like, yep. that's 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 right on the brink of it. Like now, if if one of those teams upsets you, you're in fucking trouble. Now you're borderline. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, that's I'm I'm in the same boat. I, I feel like. For, for me, I, I wouldn't just say you have to be BDS Astralis. You have to beat SK as well. Because SK, all I think... All three then, yes. All three. Yeah, op optically, I would say BDS looks better than SK. Like, if you look at all the games, oh, BDS actually played, like, three pretty solid games. When you consider their schedule, they had Koi and they had XL. Like, sure, they didn't look great in the XL game, but they were in a position to win that XL game. Yeah. But they just didn't understand how to, like, set up objectives. It feels like objective setups over the entire league have just been bad. Like, people just yes. aren't setting up objectives well at this point in, in the year, which is understandable to some degree. I just think that like the way that that Heretics has been playing has been like it's been very desynced and it's been very weird. Like there's like the way that they lost that game to SK, where they just like portaled into the enemy team and instantly fucking lost the game. That was super strange. Like uh, the communication, you have like Jack Spectra starting to push and then he's recalling and then he's trying to push again and then his team is like portaling into the fight. It just looked like they were really uh, uh, like just desynced from one another. And I do think Yankos is, is still really uh, just a really still good player. Pretty good to me, yeah. But there's something weird about the, the players that he's playing with. It feels like no one actually knows what to do or like knows how to win on his team. I mean, they're definitely going to have some firepower issues. That because basically, like that Ruby guy has to turn out to be really good. Like he has to be, he has to get like one and a half times better, probably. Yeah. <laughs> realistically because all the tools Yankos can have to work with because the other problem I have with it like you know what's sad yeah I know you touched on briefly but like even though BDS changed all those players out Tom 
that team is just doomed as an org. Because think about it, right? They don't even have the same coaching staff now, right? Remember, Grab's left. That's all done. They've changed mm-hmm. players. This is now two versions of BDS that have the same exact problem. They actually, in the early game, can do well and even get ahead and be in the mid game. Like, oh, we're all right. And then they just lose every game. Like, that's... The joke is, to a fan, that might seem like the best scenario. Like, oh, you've just got to tweak this. It's like, in a way, that kills me, though. Because you know what's mad? You know what we were discussing earlier? Teams like Koi and XL. As mad as it sounds, it might seem hopeless that they're behind so much. But that can be fixed when you've got good players and then suddenly you don't have a problem with the game at all because you're good at mid and late game. The problem BDS has is if you're only good early and your players aren't that good, like how about that? that Guys, there is no like just fix the macro. There's not that. Like like, you're just doomed. Like the joke is you're actually getting the best chance to start the game and you're still not winning. A microcosm of that a microcosm of that, what, what you're talking about right here was the XL versus BDS game. Like, once XL Perfect. actually started yep. getting the lead, like, XL yep. just knew how to win the game. They're like, okay, this is, like, our, this is our soul. Yes. We fight Elder here. We, like, get Baron. We push. And then there was, just no, there was no point where BDS could actually respond to any of the things that were happening on the map anymore. It felt like they just made too many mistakes, like, won too many mistakes, and they just weren't able to, to figure out how to win. I don't think XL will have a problem winning games once they have leads. I just think they're going to have a problem getting leads. I think BDS is going to have leads, but they're, it's going to be really hard to translate. Like, that's why I have them bottom tier. I don't necessarily think that their players are, are like, that bad when you compare them one-to-one or, like, even in the lane phase, right? Like, Nuclear End is not that bad. Or I mean, his, he changed his name to Nuck. I mean, it's just fucking horrible to look at. His name is fucking Nuck. Like, I know, I can't, he can't win, can he? I, yeah, I, I can't. Because it's like it, you but... tell him, like, look, bro, that's, like, it's not bad branding. Like, change your <laughs> alias, though. To what? Pretty much anything. I've changed my name and knock. Like, you just don't have good luck with this, do you? Like, give me a fucking break. Maybe crowdsource it. Ask the fans of some of these are shit, these names. <laughs> but yeah, when you look at like the players, like Adam beat Odo in lane. He was just beating Odo's ass yeah. in lane. Like, I mean, Odo just didn't seem like he was, he was that good in that matchup. Nuclear Ant was fine. Oh, here's the banter for you. This is Look, this is slightly rude. But what I'd say is this. If I were you, Nuclear Ant, what I would do is change your name to T-Knock because you play like a proper backwards cunt. <laughs> oh my god wasn't bad whatever it was a bit childish but keep going jesus I mean, it's a little bit childish he's not I'm by the way i don't even way. i don't even hear a nuclear in. i just think he's a shit player that's all i don't know if he's a person he seems fine god damn i mean I, i'm kind of impressed with the wordplay but it wasn't bad time, was it it wasn't bad it wasn't bad it was yeah, rude it was it was, it was, it was good but it was it was like it was pretty rude. fucked up i would say <laughs> yeah, okay um but, but i mean either way my point is that all of them are actually able to lane like they're all yes. able to actually play one-to-one but it's when you put it all together i mean they just have no idea. You're playing with a bunch of people that have lost a bunch in their career, right? The only yes. person that's had like any real success in LEC was like crowning kind of when he was with SK where he made playoffs. And then Adam, when he, when he was with that fanatic team, but it's like, you're playing your first split and all like, he probably didn't even know what the fuck was happening. A lot of the time on the map, you're the top laner. Like what type of setups are happening? Like, can he really translate that to his team? Show them how to win. Like Crowdy's just been like doomed on bottom teams forever. Is he going to have the ability to, to really teach them how to like win these games? You just have a bunch of people that have lost. Like You don't have anyone that knows how to win. So even if you get advantages, it doesn't feel like you can win. Exactly. So tune in next week to find out the answers to those thrilling questions. Will Ruby ever actually true, prove to be a hidden gem? Will Crowny actually be able to carry BDS to win a game? Well, find out on the next exciting episode of BDLS period. BDS does L shit, period. <laughs>